0: Hello podcast listener. Thanks so much for choosing another episode of Reaction by Home Things. Now, I won't keep you long. I just wanted to let you know that Home Things is launching into the big old world really, really soon. If you want to be the first in line to receive exclusive discount and, you know, be the first to know when we launch, which makes you look pretty cool, just go to our website. It's gethomethings.com and sign up in the box that looks like you should put your email address in it. Okay, back to the show. Enjoy. Reaction. 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 By home things. Nice. Gold dust. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Reaction by Home Things. Today I'm sat opposite Lauren Bravo. Hello. How are you?
1: Very well, thank you.
0: Good. Now before we get in, before I do like the what's your name, where'd you come from? hmm Bonkers bits of the week. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can go first. Okay, go first. So I have learned that each year more people are killed by
1: teddy bears than by grizzly bears. (laughs) Good, right? And I can't even imagine. I'm just trying to picture how a teddy bear death would go.
0: I can think of something quite dark.
1: Oh. Oh, no. Suffocation. Oh,
0: God. Do you think?
1: Oh, no. I I was thinking maybe, you know. You're thinking like Ted vibes. Yeah, like you trip over one and then you fall down the stairs. Oh no, you've made it real.
0: That might I might be it's it's been a dark day for me.
1: Still, you know, you don't have to be afraid of grizzly bears. So Just be outside. afraid of teddy bears, though. Exactly. Toys
0: are us has never been the same again. Don't go to Hamley. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. That one I think might be mine. Mine is that Dr. Kellogg introduced Kellogg's cornflakes in a hope that it would reduce masturbation ah. and excessive sexual intercourse.
1: I actually knew that. No, you
0: did not. I did. How? Not
1: because I used them for that purpose. <laughs> I hastened to add. The doctor recommended um, them to me. <laughs> it was because, I think it was on an episode of QI once. Oh my god! That's where I get all my facts from. If I know anything, it's probably because it was once on QI.
0: QI is good though.
1: It's very good. Did,
0: okay, well because I have no justification for it, do you remember Why? Like I'm trying because when I read it, I thought, for what reason did he think that cornflakes, yeah, would reduce that?
1: I think it was something to do with the ingredients, I think it was um I want to say zinc <laughs> or potassium I'm just plucking at
0: <laughs> any vitamins and minerals anything I can think of
1: um, but I, all I remember from QI was I think Alan Davies then went off into a kind of long monologue about how he would fill mattresses with the cornflakes so that if anybody was giving themselves a nice time it would, they would hear it and that was obviously a joke so now I remember the joke and I don't remember the fact
0: They <laughs> you remember the joke though I do. a comedian's job <laughs> very well done oh my gosh I love that okay who wins you
1: Thank you. I think you win. Cool. Because I didn't know that one. Not, Not the poor teddy no.
0: <laughs> Lauren, tell me, I... Obviously know you are. I came to your book chat at Foyles, Fangirl. Thank you very much. It was great, by the way. It yeah. was really, really good.
1: Oh, thank you. That was my favourite event, I think, so far. They've all been really lovely. I've had a yes. lovely, lovely month. Um, prancing around, shamelessly self-promoting. Love. But the Foyles one was my favourite. Foyles
0: yeah. was cool, plus like what a great venue. It was such brilliant. a great venue. And such a
1: like full audience. I, I couldn't know. quite believe it. I
0: know. So none of them were related
1: to me. <laughs> Not a single
0: one. None were my family no. or my pets. <laughs> so for those of who people who might be listening who might not know the name Lauren Bravo, mm. tell me about yourself. What do you do? Why did I see you at Foils? Was it a one-woman show? Let people know. <laughs> I was tap dancing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um No, I'm. I'm a writer. Um, I'm a journalist. I write about fashion about food travel lifestyle pop culture feminism social media i guess you know that kind of stuff um, all the good things all the good things and i've done that for i guess oh how old am i now more than 10 years um, let's just say (laughs) and yeah so I write for websites magazines newspapers quite a lot of you know women's media titles things like that Um, and then I've also written a couple of books amazing so the first one came out um, in 2018 it was called What Would the Spice Girls Do Um, and it was a sort of wry look at uh, growing up in the age of girl power and what it can teach us or not about modern day feminism Um, and then my book that came out at the beginning of January January this year uh, is called How to Break Up with Fast Fashion Um, and that is a guilt-free guide to changing the way that you shop for good. I love that I love the tagline as well. Thank you. What a
0: fantastic tagline. Wrote it myself. (laughs) Wrote it myself, trademarked it myself. So how so I think I mean we can talk about both but I think the angle on breaking up with fast fashion and fast fashion is something that's obviously very very topical at the moment. How did you come into thinking that a you wanted to write about it or b how did it even first enter your thought process and your psyche of of being a thing you wanted to discuss Mm,
1: so I've always loved clothes. I mean, long before I was writing about them, I just loved fashion. It's kind of been a hobby, you know, my whole yeah. life. Um, and I think, you know, over the last few years, like a lot of people, I was starting to kind of wake up to the uh, the reality of fashion's impact, you know, on the environment and also the humanitarian problems behind mm. fashion. Um, and I think like a lot of people, I was kind of dimly aware of this stuff for quite a long time, but it was only in the last few years that I really started investigating reading more about it watching documentaries like the true cost Mm. um and then also i kind of came at it from quite a self-interested angle as well which is that i got to the end of my 20s and i realized that my shopping habits were just not making me happy um i was spending so much time shopping thinking about clothes browsing you know scrolling the websites um going to the post office with all of my returns. Oh, my gosh, yes. Just every kind of spare minute, I was basically thinking about what I was going to buy next, what I needed in my wardrobe, needed as in inverted commas there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and actually, I was tired. Like, it just, it was knackering. And the clothes that I was buying, they weren't really living up to their promise, you know? Like... I would buy something, I'd be really excited to wear it for a couple of weeks and then I would be bored of it or it would kind of go out of shape or, you know, I'd wash it once and it would look terrible Um, or, you know, the fashion would just change mm-hmm. things would move on it kind of felt like I was always on this treadmill trying to kind of run towards a horizon that never got any closer because yeah. it was like oh I need that jacket and then once I buy that jacket my life will be complete and of course you buy the jacket and then you're like but what I really need is a pair of boots to go with it and then suddenly everyone is wearing this certain type of skirt and I need one of those and then I need a big pearl hair clip and you know <laughs> it just it never ends so yeah and then I um I started kind of writing more and more about I guess, like the emotional repercussions of our clothes. Um, I wrote a fashion column for uh, The Pool, R.I.P. It's not, not with us anymore, but it was a really great women's website um, that was called Wardrobe Stories. And that was all about taking sort of items in my wardrobe and looking at the kind of sentimental value that they had and the lessons I could learn from them. Why had I bought them? What did I worn them to? You know, really delving into the sort of emotional side of, mm. of clothing. And I loved writing about that. Um, And then, yeah, just over time, I started writing more about the sort of sustainability angle, not necessarily always kind of cold, hard facts, but, you know, more about that idea of forming an emotional connection with our clothes. Yeah. Because I think that's often what we've lost, really, from fast fashion. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, so then I I got approached by a publisher um, who asked me if I wanted to write a book about it. And I said, no. um." (laughs) No, I did. Honestly, I was really panicked at first because I just didn't think that I knew enough. I didn't think that um, I was far enough along in my journey, I Mm -hmm. guess. So I challenged myself for 2019. I wasn't going to buy any new clothes. um, And I just made that challenge for me privately. I wasn't planning to turn it into content, you know, make it a big thing on social media or anything. And then I got the the offer to write the book about three months into that. And ideally, I think I would have gone the whole year and then written the book. Mm -hmm. But, you know doesn't always work that way and things are moving pretty quickly and um it felt like the time was right to start having these conversations so I wrote the
0: book I guess what's interesting about that though with getting it not having completed the journey is it holds you accountable for completing it so for example if you'd set yourself that personal challenge and it was a very personal thing to you there might have been moments throughout 2019 where you thought oh, but I I really need that or I really need this. But I guess if you're on that journey, knowing that there's a destination and knowing that you want to learn and you want to grow and actually you're documenting for a greater purpose of writing the book, I guess maybe there's something quite interesting about holding yourself accountable, challenging yourself, not letting yourself get sucked into you know the latest app texting you being like oh 20% off tonight buy it between 7pm and 9pm and kind of getting pulled in because you know that there's a greater good if that makes sense yeah
1: definitely no it really did I mean I've you know always joke that nothing makes you stick to a resolution like writing a book about it (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is a luxury most people don't have so I was pretty lucky that yeah I made my bed and I, I had to lie in it um But also I I kind of realised that it was good in a way that I was writing this book while I was still in the midst of that process. Mm. So I was, you know, in the midst of my breakup with fast fashion as I was writing, which meant that all of those feelings were very raw and fresh, you know. And I I remembered exactly what it was like to kind of want to walk into Zara and throw some money at my problems, you know. And I think because of that, it made it a very different book to the book that I maybe would have written five years later, having made that change and, you know, all those feelings having faded. And I think like there are a lot of brilliant books out there about sustainable fashion, like really invaluable books. Um, but it didn't feel like there was anything quite like this, which Definitely. was, you know, somebody who was very much still on that journey, still learning, still making mistakes. Um, and I, I hope that the book is a bit more accessible kind of for that
0: no it absolutely is and I think what's nice is that it comes from it from an angle of someone who loves clothes and who loves fashion and is very into style rather than it being you know a a, a preachy book because I think where we are at with society the environment sustainability like having an impact from a personal level I think there is a lot of content out there which feels a little bit preachy a little Mm. bit virtuous a little bit self-righteous and I think people end up rejecting that because they think, well, you know, good for you, but I can't, I can't adopt that because I'm addicted to Zara. Or I, I I just paid for a premier delivery on ASOS, so, you know, I'm going to see that through. But from your angle, I think what's really lovely is seeing someone who was addicted to shopping, who literally wrote that book on the journey and doesn't pretend that they it didn't interest them. And also doesn't pretend that it wasn't hard and then there mm. weren't many challenges on the way. So with challenges in mind what what were the big challenges that you found a that you were either surprised by or b that maybe you didn't even think would be a challenge and ended up being one
1: Mm, so many things yeah (laughs) it was I mean (laughs) I kind of I mean I say to people that it was both harder and easier than I thought it was going to be um in that I'm I guess I'm quite an absolutist kind of person I Mm. find it I do find it easier to make a complete rule and then stick to it do you I do, which is not true for everybody. Mm. And I've said this in the book, you know, if you're not the kind of person that can just go cold turkey on something, then that's fine. You know, there are so many other ways of of doing it and changing your habits. Um, But for me, I found it was quite useful to just say, I don't buy new things anymore. Like, yeah. that's just, I don't do that. And, you know, change my life accordingly. So, like, I just don't go to Oxford Street anymore. Yeah. I just, I don't walk oh, into Oh, I dragged you shop. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. I have actually, it's funny, I've ended up in central London quite a lot doing all my book promo oh, stuff. And it is, yeah, I still, you know, I've walked past <laughs> and other stories and I still get that, like, frisson, that kind of little urge to sort of go in and just see what I'm missing out on. Just have um, a look, have a browse. Yeah. And, you know, because my life was so conditioned to be constantly plugging shopping in wherever there was a gap. It was like, you know, if I had 10 minutes to kill before meeting a friend for dinner, I would always pop into a shop. That was just what you did. Um, So, yeah, I found changing my habits in that way actually a little bit easier and particularly because I you know was writing about it I was talking about it um I had a friend who did the challenge with me my friend Daisy came up with the hashtag not new year um and that was so helpful because it meant that we could kind of commiserate with each other you know we were having those urges like we desperately (laughs) wanted something we would just come tell each other about it and talk each other out of it yeah that was good um but yeah, I mean one of the big challenges for me was every time the seasons changed, mm. I found that was a real trigger. Um, so every time that suddenly the sun was out and everybody was floating around wearing this season's must have whatever, um, and I didn't have it. And I, you know, that felt hard. I felt yeah. like I was kind of getting left behind, like I I I looked like the odd one out. Yeah. Which is actually ludicrous. I mean, it's come on. It's crazy when
0: you say that, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's it's nonsense. But you do feel I think particularly when you live in a big city mm-hmm. and you know you're surrounded quite a lot of the time by quite sort of fashion focused women you do end up feeling like everybody has got this item and you're the only one that doesn't have it absolutely Um, so it definitely had a lot of those feelings Um, yeah kind of shopping away my emotions so I kind of use charity shops a bit like methadone (laughs) you know it was like
0: get your fix quickly going. yeah <laughs> when
1: I had the urge to kind of go to the high street I would just steer myself into a charity shop and often I would end up leaving empty-handed because they won't always have the thing you want in the size you want because it's it's a charity shop yeah um but it would still kind of scratch that itch so yeah that was quite good um I had a few big events and things I had a couple of weddings to go to which mm. would normally be a classic classic shopping trigger um and yeah I wore stuff that I already had in my wardrobe It was fine. Nobody threw volivons at me. You know, it was... (laughs) I didn't get shamed.
0: (laughs) Like, oh my God, sorry, baby, you're now uninvited to everyone's future weddings. Um, I think you've worn that before, (laughs) actually,
1: and uh, you are discrediting my marriage. Um, Yes, um, amazingly, nobody even noticed. Shocking. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) my boyfriend went wearing the same suit he wears to work every single day with a different tie. Nobody noticed that either. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there were quite a lot of challenges, but actually I'd say within a few months, I kind of, my mindset had changed. I didn't feel that compulsion to shop quite as much. I was still, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was still standing in front of my wardrobe every morning thinking like, what do I wear? I hate everything here. Um, I am wrong. But over time, those feelings kind of faded as well. And mm. I got a little bit more comfortable rewearing the same things again and again, um, yeah, and I think just took a bit of that pressure off myself, a little bit less importance placed on definitely. clothes. And
0: once once you'd taken that pressure off, did you find that your kind of morning routine changed? Because I think I, and I have been there many, many times, standing in front of the wardrobe in the morning, not knowing what to wear, even though you have so much in the classic, oh, I've got nothing to wear, and my wardrobe is, bri- is so full, absolutely yeah. ridiculously full, and I'm always like, oh, blah, 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 you know, there's nothing here, and placing almost all my worth on yes. h- how I was going to look that day. Like I wouldn't feel good about going into work. Wouldn't feel good about myself mm-hmm. unless I was wearing the right outfit. And who knows what the right outfit is. But do you feel like when you removed yourself, I guess, from like the rat race of fast fashion, so let's say six months in, eight months in, however long it took for you to get to get to that place where you no longer felt as raw about not buying stuff as you did kind of towards the end of 2019, mm. Did you feel that your own, not self-worth, I feel like maybe self-worth is the wrong word, but your own kind of narrative of yourself had changed? So when you went to your wardrobe in the morning to go to a meeting or to go to work or to meet a friend, did had that pressure lifted at all? Or do you think that's more of a, a different story and that's actually to do with the way that we're made to feel about ourselves mm. as women in society and the value that's placed on kind of our bodies and our look? Or is it something you're able to adopt just by changing your shopping habits? I think it's a bit of both. It's quite deep, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, no, it is.
1: But do you know what? I mean, that is the thing about the book that seems to have resonated with so many people is actually that. It's that idea that our clothes are intrinsically linked to our our self-esteem in a way that is so toxic and so Mm. sad when you kind of step back to examine it. Um, I would say that breaking up with fast fashion definitely helped a lot. Um, it definitely hasn't cured me though. So, yeah. you know, I still like literally this morning I left the house about 15 minutes later than I should have yeah. done because I changed my coat three <laughs> times. Like literally, my coat—the coat, the thing you're going to take off when you get in. Yeah. <laughs> and and do you know? I mean, it is embarrassing how often I will like walk halfway down my street. And then change my mind about (laughs) what I'm wearing. I genuinely still do this. And I will turn around and I will go back and I will open my front door again. And I will put on a different pair of shoes or a different coat or sometimes an entirely different outfit. So I still do that. And, it would yeah, I'd be lying to say that kind of quitting fast fashion cured me completely because Mm -hmm. it hasn't. And I think that will be a long old journey. Oh, Um, yeah, for sure. I think that is probably going to take me at least another decade. Mm -hmm. But... It definitely did help. So I think, you know, hopping off that old treadmill of trends meant that I had to just, I forced myself to get a bit more comfortable with the fact that I wasn't going to be turning up looking right, whatever right is. Because that is, you know, you're so right. That is the thought process. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with this idea that my day and the success of my day hinged on making the correct decision yep. in front of my wardrobe, which is, is just so baffling, isn't it? But uh, that genuinely that is how I felt. I felt like if I put on the wrong skirt, mm-hmm. then somehow it would throw my whole day off course. Yep. I would be a failure. Yep. Everything would go wrong. Um, But also, yeah, as though there was this kind of, uh, you know, talismanic (laughs) outfit in my wardrobe. And if I just picked the right thing, it would sort of unlock boundless possibilities. and Everything would be brilliant. Um, And I think, yeah, knowing that I'm not going to be wearing the thing that I'm meant to be wearing, I'm not necessarily going to look like I've stepped off the kind of, you know, mannequin podium <laughs> in in COS or whatever. It yeah, it was quite liberating. Mm. You know? And it when I was younger I used to wear a lot of vintage when I was like in my late teens. And I remember somebody once saying that someone had referred to me like a sort of friend of a friend as that girl with the with the blonde hair and the vintage dresses. And I thought that was quite cute. And so that actually is. coming back to that and almost saying, well that is my identity now. I don't mind if I turn up everywhere in some kind of slightly oddball bit of vintage and that becomes how people know me and I've just got to That's lean into nice, that. Nice, isn't that? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, I really think it is. And I'm really in favor of us kind of trying to move back to that because mm-hmm. I think that is so fast fashion has sold us a whole other kind of ropey clothing but it has almost it's taken away that kind of permission to be a little bit individual and to be resourceful because actually the cheapest option is still kind of going down to Primark or getting on Boohoo or something and Mm -hmm. buying yourself like a 10 pound dress whereas yeah even only sort of 15 years ago when I was growing up like the cheapest option was to kind of work with what you had or go to a charity shop you know upcycle something in your wardrobe. so I do think we definitely need to get back to that. And like, there's something to be said as well for not looking really homogenous. So mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, it was kind of, you had like your style tribe and, you know, you dressed to set yourself apart from other people. So I was Absolutely. very into into vintage and into like kind of retro styles. And that kind of went with the sort of music I liked. And I was very pretentious, but that's not the point. <laughs> um, and, and that was really fun. And you sort of found your people that way. Where yeah. was, now it feels and there are i'm sure there are still style tribes out there but it just feels a lot more homogenous and it feels like because it's easier for everybody to just buy these kind of carbon copies of you know trends that are coming down from the catwalks yeah it, it just
0: means that our options have been limited to such an extent that everyone kind of looks the same. Everyone does look the same. And even what I find weird is that shops look the same. So almost, do you remember, yeah. and even, it wasn't even that long ago, but like you said, maybe 15 years ago when we were teenagers and like kind of coming up into being able to buy our own clothes, there were definitely more so then than there were now. Different shops had very different styles. So almost yes. like where you shopped said something about you as well, like, oh, I'm a... With Island girl or a Topshop girl, girl, or I don't know, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. But now, even then, because we're at such a fast pace, everyone's trying to keep up with each other. Everyone's trying to outcut each other and outsell yeah. each other. Even the shops within themselves are almost blurring into one minefield of the same stuff, just being reproduced mm-hmm. and reproduced, just maybe in a slightly different fabric or a slightly different fit or a slightly different colour. But it's all the same, it's realistically, the same. when you boil it down. Yeah, no, that's it completely. And I mean, somebody said. um
1: at one of my events recently, they were like, you know, because a point that I always make is that um, secondhand, you can actually get a load of the trends that we're wearing that are on the high street now. Just get the original versions, you know, like 90s and even yeah. Y2K stuff. I can't believe I'm old enough that like Y2K I is going come back round again. But, you know, you can go and buy that stuff on Depop or whatever yeah. and it's the originals. And someone put their hand up and they were like, you're right, but don't you think that when these trends come back round again, they're always slightly different in like a really dastardly way. Mm. And I was like, yeah, you're so right, actually, because it is this very annoying thing where, I mean, like right now I'm wearing a sort of prairie dress that almost could be like a nighty, and it's Marks and Spencer's kind of early 80s, I think. And I got it um, online and um, and it is it is a prairie dress, but I know that it is slightly wrong you know it's not the prairie dress that everybody is buying from stories or whatever or like Ganny. it's like you know it's identifiable as a little bit different because it's vintage and that is so annoying (laughs) so yeah I mean part of what I've had to do is just make peace with that That I will maybe always look slightly off like I'm not going to look kind of perfect like I'm not going to be that vision of on trendness that um, I see all over Instagram and maybe that's fine
0: I think it's fine on many levels. So for the first part, yeah, it's fine to not, like you said, be a carbon copy of other people. But I think what's also fine is making choices that are actually probably better for your bank balance, Mm -hmm. probably better for your sanity. If you think about like our, our habits and our kind of the way that we put our value on it, but also inevitably better, hopefully, touch wood, for the planet for human rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. What I'm sure this is something that you've managed to unpack a lot in your research over kind of 2019, writing the book, and maybe even coming into 2020, doing these kind of talks on this promo and speaking to a bunch of other people. I'm sure everyone has their different angle on how they want to take the breaking up with fast fashion angle, whether it be you know for sustainability or human rights or for trends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What? Not I guess what have you learned? But actually, yeah. Fuck okay. it. What have you learned about <laughs> like fashion and sustainability and kind of how they go hand in hand? And maybe there's a huge piece there that people aren't necessarily aware of.
1: Yeah, I think um, volume is one of the biggest shocks for me. So you know we hear a lot at the moment from brands like H&M mm. about all of the uh, initiatives that they are taking to be more sustainable and it's one of Conscious the questions mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the questions i get asked all the time is from people you know because it's it's tough this stuff it's really difficult and what people want is an easy solution so they want to know that they can still go to the high street and they can walk into certain shops and that they are okay you know they want a bit of a free pass And unfortunately, what I have learned is that while brands like H&M Zara, ASOS, Boohoo, et cetera, are uh, are producing clothes at the rate that they are, they are just never going to be sustainable. So they can have all of the kind of innovative regenerated fibers that they like. They can do all of the recycling take back schemes. They can talk the talk. But ultimately, it will always just amount to greenwashing Mm -hmm. if they are still churning clothes out at the rate that they are. So... My sort of mic drop fact, which I owe to the the journalist Lucy Siegel, who worked this out a few years ago and wrote about it in The Guardian, is that it would take H&M 12 years to recycle the volume of clothing that they produce in 48 hours. Oh,
0: my God. 48 hours?
1: 48 hours. I
0: thought you were going to say in, like, a year, which still would have been shocking. Which still would have been bad, right? So it is a drop in the
1: ocean, and unfortunately... You know the idea of these recycling schemes on the one hand I never want to be too damning about anything that is trying to mm-hmm. make a difference because I still think that's much better than doing nothing at all um, and you know getting people into the habit of donating their old clothes rather than binning them is still progress like frankly mm-hmm. too much ends up in landfill but unfortunately it does sort of perpetuate this idea that your clothes can just become somebody else's problem Yeah. and of course those brands they're offering you like a 5% discount or whatever when you bring in a bag of clothes which just keeps you shopping with them. So mm-hmm. it's it is quite blatant. You know, yeah. it's quite openly kind of capitalist. But because we're so desperate for a solution and for a solution that looks familiar to us, I think that's the thing. People don't want to change their habits hugely. Like we're always going to go for the easiest option because I think that's kind of human nature. So yeah, volume that is a big big problem and it <laughs> It's interesting, yeah. I was just talking to um, Arja Barber, who's a really brilliant uh, sustainability campaigner. Mm, yeah, follow
0: on Twitter. Campaigner.
1: Yeah, we just had coffee coffee today, and um, one of the things we were talking about is that there's almost this sense that people are entitled to buy loads and loads of new clothes, mm-hmm. you know. And when we talk about how much clothes maybe should cost if they're being made properly and everyone's been paying to ha- paid a fair wage, um, one of the things people will often say is, "Well, I just can't afford that." Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about people who are living on the poverty line. I'm just talking yeah. about, like, you know, average Joe people like me who don't have heaps and heaps of money to spend on kind of £500 dresses or whatever. Yeah. But actually, we have to unpink that, unpick that thinking a little bit and remind ourselves that, yeah you know, we're not entitled to have a wardrobe absolutely bulging with new clothes. We kind of, we actually only need the clothes we need. Absolutely. And yeah, so that difference between kind of liking something, wanting something and needing something... Is something that I write about in the book as well, and that's you know I think we need to get better at identifying when we when we want something
0: but we don't need it. Absolutely, yeah. And so much of it, I think, is a is a bit of an educational piece. Unfortunately, I think mm. going back to almost like the H H&M and M recycling seems in the greenwashing. Yes, it is. It absolutely one hundred percent is, and we and we can sit here and we can say, yeah, what they're doing is like it's not wrong. Like you said, like it's a nice little effort, but realistically in terms of like the greater picture, it makes minimal difference and it it needs to be like a systemic change Mm -hmm. that actually has any impact whatsoever. But there are people and people who are in my own friendship group and people who I know who think that those things actually do make the huge difference because they're just being... If you're so swept up in thinking that you know you don't necessarily know the impacts of fast fashion, and suddenly a brand like H and M is coming to you saying, "Shop in our conscious collection," of or you course. know, or, or I will give you five percent, you know, and it's going to go here and it's going to go there and we'll recycle it. And then, so I was on that Hindu this weekend that I told you about, and mm. even a classic like a wedding, and I was like, "No, I need, I need the new outfits for the Hindu, mainly yeah. for the pictures, for the, for the pictures. The always it. for the pictures, always for the ground. It's ridiculous. It's oh, absolutely ridiculous." No. So I was like, "No, no, no." Not going to do it. And if I want something, I will buy it from Depop or yep. I'll go to like my local shelter in Hackney and I'll like buy it from a charity shop. I'm not going to buy anything brand new, any fast fashion. Anyway, made this whole big statement, spoke about it a little bit at the Hindu because everyone was like, oh, that's cute. Like this cardigan is from Shelter. They're like, very sweet. Oh, it's a good cardigan. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. I wear it all the time now, all the time. It's like 15 pounds, but gorgeous. And I Maybe. absolutely love it. But... What was my point? Oh, it's like an educational piece. So I think I said something about fast fashion and how, you know, most of the online returns that you send back, they just go straight to landfill. I know. That was really shocking. That's a shocking shocking thing. And no no one knows that. And they were baffled. Like my friends talking about their latest 200 pound ASOS haul and how they just buy it to send it all back. And I was like, yeah. That's actually awful. Like, that's a very, very awful habit. No one knows. No one talks about these that's kind it. of things. And even when you get into the carbon
1: footprint of oh, just God, sending yeah. that stuff out and sending it back, you know. I mean, hey, look, I, still, I buy vintage online, so that's something I'm having to kind of think, okay, well, is that worth it and the postage for that? Like, I'm not perfect by any stretch. But... Yeah, I think um, we've just got so used to that whole mentality, haven't we? And that is something that has really been pushed over the last few years is this idea of buying stuff in bulk so that you can have the bedroom dress up session and send it back and the convenience of that. But it is I do almost feel like even without people having the impetus of knowing about the environmental problems, There is, uh, I don't know, maybe this is naive of me, but it does feel like people are starting to tire a little bit of that model. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like there is almost a kind of desire to get back to bricks and mortar shops and actually being able to touch clothes, you know, and sort of smell them and feel them them. and (laughs) (laughs) try them on. And because there's, oh, like, I still remember so vividly that feeling of getting your big ASOS haul and emptying it all out onto your bed. Mm -hmm. And it's all creased in weird places from where it's been folded around the bit of cardboard. Yeah. And and it never, the fabric never feels the way you thought it was going to. And it's always a bit sad and a bit it's disappointing, disappointing and a bit flimsy. Yes. And you put it on <laughs> and then you're like, hang on, I'm not the model on the website. Uh, <laughs> this still... doesn't make me feel amazing. No. <laughs> and then sometimes you would keep stuff that you knew you weren't even that happy with just because going to the post office was too much yeah. effort. Right. And like. I am (gasps) sensing that there is, yeah, a kind of step away from that. I feel like there are people going, do you know what, I'm not actually sure that this is the way I want to shop, Mm -hmm. even without that level of education. But I think you are totally right in that, you know, fashion revolution have a bit of a motto, which is that people care when they know. Yeah. But most people just don't know. Um, Oxfam did a study last year where they found that 52% of UK adults had no idea that the fashion industry was damaging to the planet. Oh my gosh. Wow. Had no idea. And that's just people who are willing to admit that in a survey. So mm-hmm. it's probably more than 52%, but people are just bluffing, right? So, <laughs> yeah. And when I read that, I was like, oh God, okay, there's a lot more work to be done because it's so easy in the little bubble that a lot of the yeah live in to think oh we're all aware now we're all doing our bit and I've had people you know kind of picking fights with me on Twitter and things saying like oh come on we're all doing our bit everyone's trying and I'm like I wish that were true I wish it were but we're not because uh, the majority of people still aren't even aware so yeah a lot of it I think is about trying to have these conversations in places that are going to reach a wider audience rather than everybody just sort of patting each other on the back in a circle Mm -hmm. um and that's a big question as well, is how do we go out to those people, particularly those people who are maybe taking their clothes back to H&M and thinking, job done. Yeah, you know, doing I'm doing my death, bit. Yeah. How do we go to them and say, well done and thank you and keep up the good work. But also, <laughs> <laughs> whilst you're here, soz, yeah. <laughs> um, here's some cold, hard reality to sort of swallow down. And that's really difficult. and a challenge that I definitely came up against again and again in the book is, you know, how to tread that fine line between informing people and preaching at them.
0: Oh, no one likes a preacher. No one likes a preacher. We I don't, don't want to like write it. I don't want to write preacher stuff. It's not fun. It's not what I signed up for. No. <laughs> Love that. On this journey, it's obviously predominantly fashion, but Whilst learning these things, like you said, like the educational piece, like the carbon footprint, stuff that you just become acutely aware of, like the fashion revolution thing, you kind of only care once, you know, and Mm. unfortunately, unless you know, you're not really going to do anything about it. Are there other aspects of your life since looking into this kind of sustainability piece in terms of what you wear? Has anything filtered down into... Any of your other habits, any of your other lifestyle choices? Has it then been like, oh, hang on. Okay, so this is like clothes sorted, kind of, you know, 80%. (laughs) What about X, Y, Z? Has yeah. that happened?
1: It has. I mean, I wish I could say that I had just transformed every area of my <laughs> life, but I think... I'm now
0: a goddess, yeah. Yes, no, absolutely. Uh,
1: <laughs> no, I mean, look, I'm not a saint. And, you know, I, there's a section at the beginning of the book called Notes on Being Terrible, oh where God. I really sort of put my cards on the table and, you know, just say, look, I'm I'm not vegan yet. Um, or I think what I say is something like I'm vegan apart from weekends and halloumi and <laughs> chocolate and Christmas. or You know, Um but yeah, so I I think there's something to be said for kind of, you know, we can't do everything, but we can all do something. I mm. really believe that. So I focused mainly on fashion to begin with. But yeah, of course, I think it would have been weird if I'd spent a year writing about this stuff and then just ignored every other yeah. area of my life in which I am wasteful and terrible. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I stopped, you know, I don't use kind of, wipes and cotton pads and things like that Mm. anymore um i yeah i'm really i mean i don't eat meat um and i'm i've cut down my dairy sort of consumption a lot i'm i wish i could say i was full vegan i'm not there yet but i am really really trying to get there it's challenging it is and i think you know not to get too deep into it but as someone with a history of like quite a lot of food issues i mean what woman doesn't have Mm -hmm. a complex relationship with food at some point um i'm kind of that is one area in which I don't really want to be too absolutist about it and start putting labels and rules on myself because I think that kind of sends me down a, a spiral that I don't want to be <laughs> down. Um, but, you know, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely eating a lot fewer animal products than I, I was a few years ago. Um, transport is another is another real doozy. So I, you know, got into sort of travel racing a few years back. And it was always a bit of an ambition of mine. I always really wanted to do it. And obviously, around the same time that I started getting work, I also started, you know, reading much more about Um, climate and panicking and, you know, developing a bit of eco-anxiety. So now I'm in this interesting place where I can't, um, I obviously can't get as much fashion writing work as I used to be able to because Mm. I can't write about most brands. You know, I I can't do sort of shopping galleries. Um, Is that because
0: you have chosen you don't want to?
1: Yeah, I think because... I would just be such a hypocrite. Mm. You know, I can't write a book about <laughs> giving up fast fashion and then the next day write an article, you know, directing everybody to Zara. Yeah, so, things you
0: must buy today. Exactly.
1: Like- <laughs> and and hey, like, I'm I'm lucky in that I've got some really brilliant editors who are really into this stuff as well and they are still commissioning me to write about sustainability. So that's brilliant. But inevitably, I'm not getting as much work as I was. Mm. So then it's like, well, I can't, overnight also stop writing travel articles as well because like i've got bills to pay so you know it is it's a really tricky yeah like as soon as you cut back in one area of your life sometimes another area suddenly goes up so yeah um i'm trying really hard to think carefully about what jobs i take i'm trying to fly as little as possible um my boyfriend and i have a big trip planned to the west coast of america in may we're going to sort of visit friends over there and um We are taking a train from LA to San Francisco, which takes 12 hours. (gasps) Um, But we're really excited because actually it looks like a really beautiful route and neither of us drive, so we don't have that option on holiday. (laughs) Um, So it was either an internal flight or take a train. So we're doing the train. So it's like, you know, that's not going to make a big difference by itself, but I am definitely so much more aware. Um, And food waste is another one. I've got obsessive about food waste. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we've really sort of, Paid attention to how much food we buy and trying to kind of just shop, in, you know, small batches for things that we need rather than doing like a massive shop and knowing yeah. that actually we're going to go out a couple of days that week and then that stuff will all go off. So
0: yeah, bit by bit, I'm sort of getting there. But um, that's great, though. And the food thing is an interesting one, isn't it? Because I guess that's such a cultural shift as well. As in, I remember being a kid, and obviously you would go on like the weekly food shop, yeah, like that big was just food food the thing. Shop. Yes, yeah, it was like weekly big food shop and that's what you would do Either we had a huge family so it was like a once a week occurrence but like mm. for some people it's once every two weeks or for a month and you would just load up yeah. and I guess half the stuff would either go off or maybe you did eat it all I don't know it depends yeah. on your family size but we're becoming more aware or some of us are, are trying to become more aware of like what we're buying and how much we're buying for It's
1: funny, actually, isn't it? Because there are a lot of parallels, I think, between the food and fashion. Um, There's something about that feeling of like a full fridge, you know, fully stocked pantry, like Mm -hmm. cupboards overflowing the food that I think makes people feel quite secure. And maybe it's a kind of weird inherited hangover from like rationing or something like that that has been passed down through our parents, which I think would make sense for previous generations. And it's a little bit the same. You know, we want to feel like we're kind of yeah entitled to go and kind of fill up a basket and feel like we are rich i guess it yeah. is it's probably an aspirational thing
0: it's a privileged thing massively it's a privileged thing yeah. yeah
1: and so actually kind of being yeah kind of going back to saying actually well the fridge is almost empty but it just has enough stuff in it to make me today's dinner Mm -hmm. and then tomorrow I will go to the greengrocers and I'll buy enough stuff for tomorrow's dinner you know it's actually kind of stepping back to the way that maybe our grandparents generation would have shopped yeah and it's a little bit the same with clothes that we kind of need to step back to a point like in our grandmother's day where you would have like one really good party dress and you wore it and you wore it and you loved it and if it needed repairing you repaired it yeah and maybe you handed it down to your sister or your friend or something and you altered it if fashion changed and the hemline went up then you had it taken up and you know I know that's a bit of a rosy kind of it's a nice little vision though isn't it (laughs) but I do you know I think there's something to be said for sort of trying to get people to commit a little bit more so again it's you know not impulse buying stuff just because you're in the mood or it looks nice but actually genuinely being honest with yourself and thinking when will I wear that because I think yeah, like we food shop for a life we don't have. You know, we buy all, oh all gosh, these yeah. kind of armfuls of lovely produce thinking that we're going to like make a lovely Nigel Slater recipe. Oh, and then the what classics. actually happens is we roll home at like nine o'clock and we're ravenous and so we get some like nuggets from Leon or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, or we want a ready meal or we just want to eat toast for get dinner. Get yeah. Exactly. And it's the same with fashion. It's like we buy clothes for a life we don't lead.
0: So what, what's next for you then in terms of you've done the fashion What's next? Mm. So I think I
1: mean I'm still on the fashion beat for a little while. I think um, I haven't completed it. <laughs> God, <hey
0: man. laughs> next completed yeah.
1: fashion. Um, so, I mean, I want to write more and more about this because the great mm. thing about the sustainability conversation is that it is changing every week. You know, Absolutely. I'm getting so many emails, so many new brands are launching, doing kind of really cool, innovative things with with fabrics and with production. Um, you know, I'm, there are loads more studies coming out. I think we're all kind of getting a better understanding of how we change people's mindsets and behavior. Um so there's so much more to be said. So I'm gonna keep banging my drum and really hoping that people will keep commissioning me to write about this stuff. I might have a little foray into fiction, maybe.
0: Oh nice. I would
1: quite like to I would quite like to write fiction. Just because I've never done it before, mm. I think it would be a whole different pace of writing. So both of my books um I wrote in very, very short time frames. And it was quite intense. Yeah. Um so I like the idea of just like writing a novel over the course of a year yes, and you know looking out over a garden. And making some stuff up. I think that'd be quite a nice yeah. a nice way to live. I mean, ask me again if that happens and I'm tearing my hair out like
0: have a nice bit of a skin In a prison writing. of my own making.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, I, I, I love talking about this stuff, so I want to kind of keep doing the podcast and doing the events and taking part in those conversations and really sort of supporting the Amazing brands and the amazing kind of people out there that are trying to make a difference. Absolutely,
0: yeah. no, I think that's so good. We're going to do a quick four question Ooh. quiz. I it. say quiz, maybe quiz is the wrong word because it makes it sound like there's a right answer. Is it? Is a this or that? Mm. So left or right? Right. Me too. Mm. Land or sea? Sea. Mm, mm. Whimsical My little mermaid I, over there. I grew up
1: by the sea, so I feel like I'm. Oh, did you whereabouts? Worthing. West Sussex Worthing Worthing Never been to Worthing Is it nice there? My parents tell me it's very up and coming these days (laughs) That's my diplomatic answer No, it is, it's really pleasant I didn't think it was when I was growing up there But that's, you know, teenagers for you When you're a teenager You just want to be in
0: the city Or go anywhere Now
1: I go back and I'm like, this is lovely
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is an older thing as well, isn't it? Something like, oh, no cars, no traffic The countryside, lovely Seagulls whirring overhead It's great and until it's six in the morning, you're like, oh my God, shut up, Yeah, shut up.
1: everything shuts at 5pm. You can't get oat milk.
0: <laughs> Such a nice non-London life. Best book you've read this year, other than your own? Oh, um, I've just finished The Panic Years by Nell
1: Frizzell, and that is amazing. Is it good? I've been recommended that a lot. Yeah, really, really wonderful. Um, yeah, really pertinent as well. It really spoke to exactly my age and where I am in my life and the decisions that I'm weighing up. Amazing. Um, really brilliant.
0: Fantastic. And finally, favourite Netflix show at the moment, Schitt's Creek. Oh my God, I just
1: finished it. Oh my God, I am re-watching it. I love it so, so much. Good. Ew, oh my David. God. <laughs> oh my God. I've been I trying to that. master Moira's accent Jazz I just girls. can't get it.
0: Bebe. It's oh, bebe. a bebe. Oh my God, did you know? You probably. I did not know this until I'd finished it. She's the mum in Home Alone. Yes. How did I not know? I that? I did know that. Oh yeah. my God, shocking!
1: I iMDB'd like everybody in it as soon oh as gosh. I watched it. I think
0: I saw something for series six, which I'm now okay. upset that I saw.
1: Oh no. Yes. Oh okay. I've been I've been Don't protected from spoilers stalk. thus yes. far.
0: Don't stalk oh. at all. But talking of stalking. Where can people stalk you (gasps) if they want to?
1: I am at Lauren Bravo um, on every platform because nobody else has my name. It's a weird name. It's a great name. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Um, Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, at Lauren Bravo. Um, fantastic yeah. come follow me please I don't have many followers so. <laughs> <I> <laughs> can do with two or do <laughs> if, you can, if you can help bump me up to 10,000 on Instagram then I can do swipe up that's loads
0: so, that's absolutely loads yeah I'm not
1: there yet though oh, I'd
0: love to be able to do a swipe up
1: oh wouldn't the power would just be amazing the power would be
0: so good and I'd love to just say like swipe up yeah, for swipe no, up for the content. There's nothing to see there, yeah. to be honest, but would love to do that. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. We have been Get Underscore Home Things. Lauren, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to another episode. If you've got to the end, give yourself a pat on the back. That's pretty impressive. If you enjoyed the show, we would really, really love it if you could leave us a five-star review, no lower, otherwise you're disqualified, and write a lovely little comment and share the podcast with your friends. We're a new show. We really want to get out there and we want to tell the world all about what we do. So do us a little favor, help us out, and in return, come cash in a big old hug. Thanks so much.